You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's been incredibly difficult not to think about it. Um, I had a couple of tries this year. I lost to two great opponents, one actually being Angelique. So, um, But, you know, it makes the, the victory even sweeter to know how hard I worked, worked for it. And thank you guys for being out here to see number 22. This is awesome. So I love you guys so much. Thank you very much. There's Serena Williams. She wins her 22nd Grand Slam title today at Wimbledon, tying Steffi Graf for most all-time in women's tennis. One of the athletes that we've really been, I guess you could say, hashtag blessed to see <laughs> in our lifetime. She has just been a great force and a great story to watch. She was, she's been around since I was like seven years old, it feels like. I think about the athletes that you just do feel like proud to have seen play their sport. And she's in that category. Oh, absolutely. Tiger Woods, I would go, if Barry Bonds hadn't been so steroided, he probably would have been that. I might feel it more about Ken Griffey Jr., although whoever knows who did steroids and who didn't. But there's some baseball players that way. LeBron is this way. Like anybody who just watched LeBron do what he did in the NBA Finals whether you even dislike him or not, you have to feel like I am glad I got an opportunity to watch this guy play sports. Yeah, and, and the same, I feel the same way with Serena. Absolutely, the story of her and her sister it would have been great to see them in the finals. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that, but we did get to see number twenty-two, and I'm sure we will get to see her break that Grand Slam record eventually. We were talking right before break about this Deadspin article. They want you to share your earliest sports memories with them. And for me, I'm really trying to dig because there's those hazy memories that you don't really count. You kind of remember, you kind of don't. So the one that always sticks out in pro sports, watching sports, uh, watching with my dad, it was, for me, the 1998 wildcard game, Bills versus Dolphins. And oh, the one where uh, Eric Molds fumbles early in the game, right? Where Doug Flutie hits him on a long pass, he fumbles, and then it just sort of never went anywhere after that. Yes, the, they fumble early in the game, and then at the end of the game, they the Bills score, they get an onside kick, recover it, and then they drive all the way down the field, and they're near the end zone right towards the end of the game, probably about two plays left. And I forget if it was Flutie or if he threw it to someone, but someone ends up fumbling at about the five-yard line to uh, end the game. And I guess that's my introduction to uh, Bill's fandom and what (laughs) I could expect for the coming uh, quarter century plus. (laughs) That one goes under the radar as like Buffalo sports tragedy. Because next year is the Music City Miracle and no goal, so it kind of gets swept under the rug there. Yeah, it doesn't even get brought up. For me, there is hazy memory versus very clear memory. Hazy memory is wide right for me. Mm. And very clear memory is OJ and the Knicks that I really loved watching the Knicks that year. And they were playing against the Rockets in the NBA Finals. And it was a a build-up to this this great series. And then I'm getting the double screen of watching OJ be chased along with the 1994 Knicks. And... 
Uh, I also had, like, that was the first time that I had a, like, NBA video game, too. And it was that same year, and I'd been playing it all year, so I knew every roster and every player. That was like the, I know you guys were talking about video games on the afternoon show yesterday. That was, like, my earliest video game playing involved, like, that Knicks team. What system were you on? Sega Genesis? It was a Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. I had played regular Nintendo before that. Uh, with your RBI baseball, and there was uh, your Tech Mobile. I mm-hmm. definitely played some Tech Mobile. Nice. But really came into the, like, I'm good at these video games in the Super Nintendo era where I had the early Maddens, I had the NBA Live, the first one, and that was the game that I played a ton with that Knicks team. So it sort of, and I, and I do think video games do this for you, that they enhance your sports fandom. And for me, it definitely did that. So when we got to the NBA Finals, and here's the Knicks, the team I've been playing with this video game. Uh, that, that was, like, super cool. So I remember that pretty clearly. Yeah. Video games, for me as well, really enhanced my sports fandom. You, you learn so much about players that you wouldn't necessarily pay attention about that way. You're adding them to your roster if you're playing the be a GM mode. So it's interesting. Nate, you got an earlier sports memory for us? You know, I do, and it actually involves me. Uh, oh. My sports memories... How, actually started with the no, this, this is a good is so story. Funny. You're going to enjoy it. Because my first sports <laughs> memories weren't like the Bills or Sabres. It was the Bisons. My dad always just take me to Bisons games when I was younger. So one game, we're sitting like behind home plate up in the kind of the nosebleed section right, right below the press box. And my dad catches a, a foul ball. And he hands it over to me. And I'm probably like six seven years old and the first thing what's the first thing that happens when you get a ball in your hand your like first reaction is just to chuck it as far as you can so we're way up there he gives me the ball and i just chuck it right down and like almost hit a couple of people and then like kevin o'connell who was like the the sports director at channel seven like came down with the camera and they're like interviewing me and my dad like kid why'd you throw the ball and there's like a video there i have like a vhs of the interview and i'm just like (laughs) That's like, when, I thought I did something wrong. You know? That's when his pops was like, oh, look at the arm on this kid. We <laughs> yeah. need to get him at quarterback. We need to get him at quarterback now. Earliest sports memories. Have you got anything to share with us? 803-0550, 550 Well, it's, it's, just a, it's a great question from Deadspin. It's just like all their staff writers are, are – I mean, you show your age with it, but also like oh, what, what sticks out to you. Another person, the Nuggets upsetting Seattle Supersonics in 94. I remember that super well with – Dikembe Mutombo, and I think maybe even uh, Muhammad Abdul Rayouf was on that team, I think, and Dale Ellis. So they like, I, I remember the mid 90s NBA super well. And uh, so a lot of the people who are their writers are, you know, some go back to the 80s with the Barry Bonds Pirates. So there's always a team that sticks out to you. And it's so funny with the Bills. The reason I love this question is. Depending on how old you are depends on how your earliest perception was formed of the Bills. My earliest perception of the Bills was they win all the time. Yeah, they're great. Except for at the end, but like they're super good. Even what you're talking about, going to the playoffs against Miami, going to the playoffs against Tennessee, it felt like this team just has a little bit of magic to it where they always overcome whatever it is. They lose Jim Kelly, they find another quarterback. And as a little kid, you know, I mean... I was unaware of, like, the rage-filled Rob Johnson, Doug Flutie debates other than from what I would, 
you know, read of the paper or something like that. You're not but, as super in tune with it back yes. then. It's more of a innocent enjoying of the sports. You're yeah. just watching the games and watching your heroes go on. And, and it also was like as a, oh, how old would I have been? I mean, maybe you're like 12. Like I, I would have sports takes as a 12-year-old, but I just remember thinking like, okay, I just want like whoever's going to win. Like I like the the Doug Flutie thing, but Johnson is pretty talented, so I'm okay with this. And I just imagine if our station was the way it was then, or like how it is now, it just would have been like a truck fire every day of people calling it. It would like be worse than the tank of people just (laughs) calling in and screaming at each other about Doug Flutie and Rob Johnson. And so I, I don't, I, like my perception of that era was just they continued to be good. They bounced back from the one Todd Collins year, and this team will always be good. Then they get Drew Bledsoe, and like, oh, all right, they're going to bounce back from that too, and they'll just keep being good. And I was wrong about that. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're very wrong. Good thing you weren't on the radio then, because right. you well, would have been very wrong. Yeah, well, because um, uh, if you're born in a different era, and maybe you start really perceiving the Bills in the early 2000s. Right. Your perception of them is 6 and 10, 6 and 10 for the rest of our lives and there's no reason to dream. I think the the way you view it because of your age might make you say one way or the other and and how you feel about whether they'll ever make the playoffs or whether they'll they'll ever be good because if you grew up watching them be good, you could always say, "Well, why can't they do that again?" See, which is why my perception of the Bills, I feel, is very different. You know, Nate might be very similar with my perception. That's my earliest memory is that playoff game. So, really, my next memory is the following year with Music City Miracle. And that really, I call that the, really, the the start of my sports cognizance. Because I think it was so traumatic that it kicked my brain into gear to really start remembering things about sports. So that happens, and I remember being very invested in the Super Bowl that year. I wanted the Titans to win so I could say, well, at least the Bills lost to the eventual Super Bowl oh, champions. That's a, that's a great question and how you view that, because I remember wanting the Titans to lose because... They beat the Bills. Well, because it was a forward pass, according oh, to a yeah. lot of people. Now, I never thought it was, but I was still mad at them for pulling that off, although... You know, in hindsight, we should just be mad at the kickoff for not, like, squibbing it. Yeah, yeah, the strategy not there. Oh, let's head out to Jerry and Kenmore real quick. Jerry, you are on WGR. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. You know what? I'm definitely going to show my age here. I was, like, seven years old, and uh, one of the greatest football games ever played was on Christmas Day, 1971. Um, It was a playoff game, first-round playoff, Kansas City and Miami, and it went to two overtimes in Upremium kicked a field goal in the second overtime to beat Kansas City. But the story of the game was a uh, running back from uh, from Kansas City, Ed Podolak. If you look it up on that day, I think he had like 380 all-purpose yards because he was returning kicks, he was returning punts, he was, you know, he, was, he hit the run screens and he had rushing yards and he had some just huge number. It was, uh, you know, you know the pictures of Kellen Winslow in 81 leaving the field, how exhausted he was after that you know, the big game against the Dolphins, that was the original, Ed Podolak in 1971, you know, just leaving the field, leaving 385 yards and a loss. But uh, that game was played on Christmas Day, actually, in 1971. What was your earliest perception of the Bills, Jerry? Like, we were just talking about how, like, I grew up thinking that they would always win, and Ryan grew up thinking that they would always lose. Well, you know what, I'm exactly that age where, you know, I lived through the 70s when they never beat the Dolphins, and, uh, 
uh, I thought they'd never win. And, and they had some solid teams in there. You know, um, a couple of the Ferguson teams with OJ were pretty solid. Uh, and then the 80s, uh, early 80s teams with, um, with Chuck Knox were, were, were valid, very solid and could have been, you know, um, were, were playoff teams, I think, a couple times. But uh, then in the 80s, I, you know, uh, we, and, and into the 90s, we owned the Dolphins. Um, which has, you know, always been the rival. It's not so much maybe anymore, but um, that era was it was was great. The that middle uh, those middle years where you thought we couldn't lose. Um, you know, I lived in New York City at the time, and I remember beating the Dolphins one Monday night, um, and, and we were behind early. It was in Miami, and I'm listening to Mike and the Mad Dog on on the fan, and they go through all the games on you know Tuesday, and they said, you know, this is a this Bills team just won't die. They just seem to win games that they're even not supposed to win. I think the Dolphins had like a 21-point lead in the game, and we ended up you know, beating them in the second half. Um, well, that Jerry, that's how I always felt about the Bills, too. I mean, because of the comeback game is one of my earliest memories, too, because we couldn't see it on TV, and it was on the radio, and we shut off the radio when it was, I think, 35-3, to or maybe even a little before that, and we're watching just another game, and then we saw a score go up, Saw another score go up. It's like, all right, we better turn this back on just in case. And then listening to the entire second half of Van Miller with the comeback game was amazing. And when Steve Christie, I wish I had the call of Steve Christie getting his own onside kick. But when we're talking, like that's that was how I felt about the Bills for a long See, time was that they right that they would just that's they amazing. would come up with something to win these games that even when you had the backup quarterback and you're down thirty five to three that they would just do it. It would just happen, and that was just how it was. And my perception of the Bills is that they'll figure out a way to lose this. <laughs> they'll never figure out the way to win. They will figure out the way to lose, I, though. I just imagine people's earliest sports memories being like that Dallas game on Monday night where Terrell Owens is wide open or Leotis McKelvin fumbling on a kickoff. And, and that's the only type of Buffalo Bills memories that these people have the foundation of their sports fandom built on. It's, I mean, you, like, I just imagine the, the sort of mental strain that is involved in that sort of thing and how that shapes how you view whether it's the Bills or, or anything else. That's funny that you bring up that Leotis McKelvin game because that was the first Bills game that was on my freshman year of college. So, you know, went to Brockport, not too far away from Buffalo, Western New York. There's a lot of Bills fans up there. So in my hall, there were a lot of Bills fans, and we were around the TV watching that game that night, and we're watching that game, and we're like, no way. They're going to do it. They're going to beat the Patriots. It's going to happen. And then Tom Brady throws a touchdown, and Leotis fumbles, and Tom Brady throws another touchdown, and I remember being very, very upset. Yeah, We're gonna you know, well hold on. You, you know yeah. the other thing about that is that there were uh, there was enough talent on some of the teams for you to believe that they were actually going to be good. It's always that borderline. There, like there, there was a suck hole area, area, era, area, era, era, yes. era of just there's no okay. There's no chance. There's just no chance. We're going into the season with. Year three of J.P. Lossman or year two of J.P. Loss, which is like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But there were a few years where you thought where they start, you know, five and one with Trent Edwards or the year I think it was five and two with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. There were a few years where it would give you somewhat of that taste of uh, maybe they just have enough talent to get to the playoffs. We saw all sorts of bad quarterbacks have made the playoffs before. Why can't we? And then, you know, there were losses 
Yeah, you bring up that that year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated after they went 3-0. It was the big comeback game against the New England Patriots. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, Fitzpatrick, we're doing it. This is the year. And that wasn't even the game that really made you think that. The game game that made you think they're going to make the playoffs was against Washington in Toronto. They just destroyed them. And it was like, Yeah, wasn't there like nine sacks or something absolutely ridiculous? They were all over the quarterback. So if you – that would be a little bit like if that's your earliest sports memory, you're probably still like 12 or something. But Yeah, you're a youngster. But that would be one that if you had those other earliest sports memories that you would say five and two, seen this story before, where maybe other people who grew up in a different era would say, oh, yeah, they're back. This is what they were supposed to be. That's that's always my thought process on the Bills. I, I say, you know, there's a lot of optimism surrounding the Bills and Sabres coming up into this season, and I always say the Bills will forever have to prove it to me. I will not believe a thing about the Bills until they are actually in the playoffs. They just they got to show it to me before I believe anything. We're going to head to Andrew in Lancaster, your earliest sports memory. Andrew, what's going on? You're on WGR. Uh, it's a little off topic, but I just wanted to share it with you. My favorite sports memory game, whatever, has to be when Syracuse basketball went five overtimes um, against, I believe, UConn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just absolutely incredible. And you're up till like, almost one in the morning uh, wondering, are they going to pull it out? Are they going to do it? The bench is just it's benches versus bench, fouls versus fouls. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Andrew. Were you watching that game, Matthew? Oh, yeah, I was. I was uh, interning at a radio station in Rochester on a morning show, and they talked a lot of Syracuse in Rochester. There's a lot of yeah. fans there. And, uh, yeah, I kept wanting it to end because I kept thinking, okay, I got to get up pretty early in the morning. Can we <laughs> just maybe beat UConn here or something? Well, that's – See, when it comes to the early sports memories, I think you have the ones that shape what you think of your teams here. Mm-hmm. And then you have the like big moments at large, ones that are, you know, ones that happen when it comes to the, the national games, the Super Bowls, the World Series, and things like that. So I, I would look at a Syracuse game from our perspective in Buffalo as something that's more of like a national NCAA event rather than just the local team that you pay so much attention to. Because when it comes to, I mean, Jerry brought up a, a playoff game that, that stuck out to him. And when I try to think back, like, what's the playoff game that comes to me first? Is it the one where, or was it a playoff game where Dan Marino faked the spike? Because the, that one, right. if it's not a game that we're talking about involving the Bills, Dan Marino faking the spike and throwing the touchdown is way up there. Because even though I didn't like Dan Marino or Miami, the Jets, I think at the time, were just as obnoxious. So it was like, all right, that was pretty cool. That was, that was, a, re- that was a really cool play. Going back to that UConn game, the memory I have of that, I was still in high school, actually. So I, was, I was, watched the first part of the game, ended up falling asleep on the couch for a little bit. Then I get woken up. In I think it was the fifth or sixth overtime by a call from my best friend at the time calling me and he's just like, "Are you watching this game?" And I'm like, "What are you What are you talking about? It's two thirty in the morning." No, I'm not watching this game. And he's like, "Dude, turn on the TV, get to ESPN. This game is absolutely ridiculous." I have two good ones where I fell asleep and then woke up. Um, two things happening. One is I had started watching Bruins Sabers one night. 
Sabres, I think, got the lead. I dozed off. Came to as Lucic is running over Ryan oh, Miller. Yes, man. I know. Wow, what a like, moment to come yeah, to. Yeah, I know. I like waking up and just sort of like, all right, what's going on in this game? And then like, here's the replays of Miller getting cartwheel. Like, what did I miss? <laughs> and the other one was, do you remember the um, Olympic game where the U.S. women had the lead? Yes. At the very end, they shot toward the empty net and hit the post. That game was incredible. Yes, great I fell, game. I fell asleep. They had the lead in the third period, and I fell asleep and woke up as the puck was hitting the post, and I was like, oh, man, that's unfortunate, and then watched the rest of it, and obviously Canada came back and won. Yeah, that, that was an unfortunate circumstance, but those are some of the, the best memories when you do end up falling asleep because it is. If you come back and you wake up and that's the first thing you remember, it really sticks in your head like that. If you got more of your first sports memories, or even just some of your favorite sports memories, feel free to give us a call, 803-0550 or 1-88-552-550. We'll talk a little bit more about Jimmy VZ development camp, and how do you feel about the Buffalo Sabres roster if they don't get VZ? Do you, do you like where the roster's set? If they do get VZ, are you more confident? Give us your thoughts. Give us a call. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday. Matthew, Ryan, and Nate on WGR. Andrew WK follows me on Twitter. Do you guys know that? No, I did not know that. You're such a name dropper. I know. He follows 87,000 people, but I'm one of them. One of 87,000. I mean, there are like two. Better than one in a million. Yeah, there are like 200 million people in America, so I am one of an exclusive group followed by the guy that wrote that song. And you know what's funny about that guy, Andrew WK, is everything about him, his Twitter, he does a radio show, Mm -hmm. is about partying. Yeah, Everything. Everything. That that song is named Let's Get That Party Started or That's the Chorus. Everything is related to partying. So he'll be tweeting about like relationships and he'll be like, you know what? It's not a very good party when you treat people badly. (laughs) Like, you know what, man? That's right. That is what? Okay. All right. I'm buying. The Pittsburgh Penguins used that song as their goal song, and this year they had him come live to, uh, what is it now? It's not. It's uh, Console Energy Console Center. Energy Center, and they didn't score any goals, but they had him there to do. Were they going to play it live? They were going to do it live. Oh, my god! If they scored goals, but they didn't end up scoring any goals in the game they brought Andrew WK to. If that isn't reason enough to push the NHL for more scoring, then I don't know what is. Yeah, that would have been great. And another quick Andrew WK story. He came to Brockport another the one year. Another quick Andrew WK story. He came to was Brockport. Ho- I was hoping that sentence would get said on the show today. Another Andrew WK story. He came to Brockport my freshman year. A lot of freshman year stories coming out of me today. But, uh... Talk about partying. I may have partied a little bit too hard pre-Andrew WK (laughs) and maybe not made it to the end of the Andrew WK show because I fell in the crowd. And by fell, I mean passed out. Okay, so his Twitter, (laughs) if you open it up, it says, this is from Andrew WK. Uh, what the hell is going on? How do I deal with this? How can I still party? And it goes to a link of an article by him, how to cope with terribly tragic news. And he says, how can I still party? Like, I mean, it's probably somewhat disrespectful to what was going on, but since that's his thing, just everything is related in some way. You're right. To party. Because after the, the tweet right below that is when nothing makes sense anymore, stay focused on what still feels real and true. Music, hugs, breathing, trees, trees. the sky, hashtag party heart. 
Party heart. Party heart. He's got a party He does heart. have a party heart. And uh, there's another one from Andrew WK. May the darkest times bring our greatest goodness to the surface, which is a really nice thought. And then he hashtags it party heart. It's like, you know, maybe there would be a time to drop away from the party thing. Not when you're Andrew WK, but though. But not when you're Andrew WK. That's his hashtag brand. 79,000 followers. I'm one of them. So Andrew WK, and I really mean this. I like you, man. I like him, like, too. I like, I like where you're thinking. The party thing, maybe you could calm down a little on it, but you're cool. Cool with me. All right. We, uh, we've been talking, been hitting a lot of topics today, really. Yeah, Andrew W.K. Andrew W.K., Jimmy V.C., Hamilton Sabres was Development on. Camp. Yes, our, our good buddy Paul Hamilton was on. And uh, we, we were talking a little bit in the break about if you were Jimmy V.C., uh, what kind of city were you looking for? You know, you have Boston, your hometown, and we were talking about cities that we've been to. We've both traveled to Toronto, obviously from Buffalo, New York. We've both been to. Have you been to Boston? Uh, yeah, yeah, but you, uh, not for very long. Not I, very long. I, I went. I saw Fenway Park, a couple of the other things there, but that was pretty much it. The, if um, we're talking about where um, you'd want to go and what kind of city that you you'd like, I think it depends in part on what kind of person you are. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, I think there are some people who really want to avoid a lot of the pressure and not as a criticism. They just don't want to deal with it. Like if you're talking about VC coming to Buffalo, the only pressure he'll have is from people who are angry at him already. And right. He hasn't even done anything. Like one of our callers earlier was already upset at him and he hasn't done anything. He hasn't made his decision. All he's done is just, gotten a decision, which sometimes when athletes get a decision to make, it irritates people. Anyway, you might be the type of person that doesn't want to deal with the hometown pressure that would prefer a place like Buffalo, where even though people will go to your games and recognize you, they're not going to, you know, follow you around in the mall and tell you what you should have done better the other day. Right. And Buffalo is a place I grew up around Buffalo, small town, North Collins, and it's a place where you can feel very comfortable. It's got that small city mentality still. It's not going to be overwhelming to you. And obviously we talk a lot about on this station, the growth of Buffalo with Oposo coming and Oposo saying that he didn't have to be sold on the city. Tim Murray said that he didn't have to be sold on the city. He started talking about the city, Tim Murray and Oposo's like, you don't have to worry about that. I've been to Buffalo, seen the city, love it. Already love what it's going on there. So Buffalo seems like a place that, as a young person, as a Jimmy VC, he's close to my age. I'm 24, he's 23. It's a place I think that age person should be really interested in because there's a lot of stuff up and coming. You talk about the craft brew scene. You talk about the growth around the arena down there with Harbor Center and all this stuff being built up. So it's a place that you want to go. And then you could talk about Toronto. We've both been to Toronto. I love Toronto. I think Toronto is a great city. There is a lot going on up there as well. It, when you drive into Toronto, I kind of feel like I'm almost driving into like a sci-fi kind of city because all of their tall skyscrapers look <laughs> super futuristic. It's got that glassy look. You know, we don't get a lot of that in Buffalo. We've got the old school architecture. There, it looks kind of like I'm flying into a, a future city almost. There's so many people. There's so much going on. A lot of cultures meeting in Toronto. 
And you've also, if you're Jimmy VC, you've got your your dad and brother up there and the Toronto media, which you want to talk about pressure. That's really where a lot of pressure is going to come from. I, yeah, it, I think it depends on what kind of person that you are with this and whether you would view Toronto as an opportunity to be at the center of everything that's going on. And maybe you would look at New York like that, too. You talk about you know, the the millions and millions of people and the big city and the big market and the pressure that goes along with playing in that huge market. I mean, maybe the Rangers are a little bit overshadowed by you know, the Yankees or the New York Giants or the New York Jets. But I mean, at the same time, it's still the New York market and you still get to be at the center of the sports world playing at Madison Square Garden, which in some people's minds, and I'll just tell you the truth, in my mind, it would be if you if I was making this decision, and you were just selling me on this city, this city, this city, and I didn't live here, and I didn't know all the good things that go along with this, I was from the outside, it would be a tough sell for me. I would be thinking, I'm from Boston. Like, you've got to do better than Boston, which is a top five market. Especially when you listen to a lot of Boston talk. They (laughs) like to, you know... Put Buffalo down sometimes. They, do. they really do like to put Buffalo down. They so also, he's been hearing that a lot. They also really hammer athletes much harder. But that might interest you. And I, and I mean it. I don't like nobody likes to get criticized. We know that. But it might interest you to just have that element of your team being talked about all the time. You know, I mean, okay, you are talked about in our station all the time, but written about, talked about that. Fans know everything about your team because the media is always talking about it. And if you're in Arizona, you have your one beat writer. Lindy Ruff said this about Dallas. We asked, uh, I was there for his interview when he came back with Dallas this year. And somebody asked like, okay, so what's the difference of coaching there versus coaching here? And one of the things he said was, uh, when I do a media thing after a game, there's like two people. When I do a media thing with you guys, this room is full. Yeah. It's a big difference in how much attention there is paid to the team. And some people might not like that. Some people who don't want interviewers in their face all the time and just want to kind of go about their biz, maybe you'd pick Arizona. But if you want to be center stage, I mean, some people are afraid to talk in public and other people talk on the radio for a living, right? I mean, yeah. Doesn't bother some people. Right, exactly. So... (laughs) that's where I find it difficult to know what Jimmy VC has in his mind. Does he have in his mind? Yeah. I want to be at the forefront being interviewed by a big media scrum. Even if I'm only giving cliches, all that attention is on me. Uh, or do I want to be like, not that there isn't attention here, but it's just a, a, a sort of it's a different di- kind a of different, attention. Yeah. yeah. You're not getting that big media market kind of attention with, there's obviously a ton of reporters here in Buffalo who are reporting on the Sabres. It's a hockey crazy town here in Buffalo. And I don't know, Jimmy Vesey, he seems like, obviously he's a super smart kid. You know, he went to Harvard. He's graduated with his four year degree from Harvard and he's made this decision, and it seems like he's really taken his time, made this decision, and has thought it through, and thought through the options, and he's stuck with it until now. So it seems like he's a very thoughtful kid, and he really isn't making decisions on any sort of impulse. He really likes to think through his decisions, which is why 
we've gotten to this point, and now the Sabres have this opportunity to come in front of them. And Tim Murray has said it. There's that quote from Tim Murray. I feel that if I get in front of a player and his team uh, and be able to talk about our city, talk about our organization, talk about our ownership, that I have a chance just as good as anyone to convince a player to come to Buffalo because we've got a good formula working for us right now. And VZ seems like the type of kid where he's going to listen to that, but he's not, he's going to listen to that and he's going to take a few days to really let it all soak in and let him think about it from every which direction, which is why we've gotten to this point and why I think he's still going to extend his way to August 15th. And even when we hit August 15th, we might not know from Jimmy VZ for a few days, maybe even a week because he's going to be meeting with other teams and he's going to take his time with his decision because why wouldn't you if you were in his shoes? Let's put percentages on it for what you would weigh for where you would pick to go and what we think he will. I mean, we mm-hmm. don't know anything about him. No, nope, we'll just don't guess know anyway. a thing. City, team's chances to win an immediate playing time, immediate role. I think if it were me, immediate role would probably be about 50%. I think City would come in second at, uh, I don't know, what was the first one that you said? I forgot already. <laughs> the quality of the team. Quality of the team. Hmm. Man, those are tough. Those are some tough percentages. It's. I want to say that they're all even for me. It would be pretty even for me because I – want to live in a city that I enjoy, you know, I want to live on a good team and, you know, I want to get playing time. I think Buffalo really offers all of those things very nicely to a player like Jimmy VZ. Jimmy VZ himself, I think he's got to be thinking about his immediate role. I think his immediate role in my mind is what he's thinking about most. I'll put it at, at like 75% for VZ. Well, yeah, I mean, the other thing that he had mentioned is coaching and style of play as being a pretty important factor for him. And I see, compared to last year's team and Lindy Ruff's historical teams with the Sabres here, I mean, the game that Bilesma coaches is much more wide open. This is a guy who's won a Stanley Cup coaching stars. So, like, and the, and the fact that there's these rumors that Bilesma played JV hockey with, uh, I think it's VC's father, I think. And there's just kind of a lot of connections in and out of there where Bilesma, even though Babcock is considered, I, don't, I guess, the better coach in Toronto, I mean, having Babcock, or I'm sorry, having Bilesma, I think is definitely a positive for the Sabres. And you just have a Harvard kid who knows what he's doing. I, I, ultimately, I like the fact that we have Bilesma. I think he's definitely used right now as a tool to recruit him. So. I think coaching and, and the style of play are going to be important, too. Like, he's not going to New Jersey, you know, like, even if they are to get a hold of him and try to offer him a contract. Like, he's not going to New Jersey. It's going to be terrible to play up there. So, like, style of play, I think, is definitely going to make, a, make or break his decision as well. I would say that's probably even more important to me than immediate playing time is if you would rather have a better system and not play as much because you know you're going to be set up for success, especially his style of play. So I, I think that's very important, too, at least 25%. Well, here's what I'm getting at. We have two out of the three. You can offer him a team that's going to win, we think, right? Yes. I mean, he's seen Jack Eichel. He's played with him. They're they, just, they just signed. Yes. They just signed the biggest free agent. They have a defenseman who we're all pretty confident will be a number one defenseman in the league. They have a prospect system that is pretty well stocked, young players that are coming up, 
and they have a top six spot that they can give him. It's about us. It's about Buffalo. It, and, and I wouldn't say that that gives us, or in, in my mind, more or less of a chance. In the past, I might have said less of a chance, but this is a place where hockey players come and stay. I mean, even two of them are on our air. Craig Reve and right. Andrew Peters are not from here. I mean, Andrew is sort of from here, but the Canada side, I, right? I mean, these are not players who are from here, and they've decided to stay, and they're, that's common with players, especially hockey players, I think, staying in Buffalo. But you got to be that kind of guy. If you are a bright lights guy, then we're just not going to win that out. And I don't think that is reflective of us. I think it's just reflective of what kind of person he is. And it was interesting the other day, Craig Reve talked about his – view coming to Buffalo upon that trade and how he had never heard really great things about it. And now look at him. He's here on our airwaves. If you've got thoughts about Jimmy VZ, feel free to give us a call. 803-0550-188-552-550. What do you think is most important to Jimmy VZ? And next segment, I want to get to something that was very interesting from development camp. Vasily Glotov and his quotes that he has said to the media, he's said some Really great things. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. Matthew Collar, Ryan Gates, Nate Geary, you're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday. Ryan Gates with Matthew Collar and Nate Geary here. A quick segment here before we hit the top of the hour. I wanted to talk about one of the developmental prospects that is here in town. He'll be playing today. He's on the line with Justin Bailey, actually, coming up for the scrimmage, which will start at Harbor Center in about five minutes. His name is Vasily Glotov, and he's had some incredible quotes being interviewed by the media. I'm reading from the Buffalo News here. Meet prospect Vasily Glotov, and just asking him questions about, you know, how's he enjoyed his time here in Buffalo? He's sharing a hotel room with another prospect. This is what he has to say. I live with Brandon Hagel from Red Deer of the WHL. Also my friend, Philip Nyberg from Sweden. Today I did a lot of exercises with Ramsey Asplund. He's my buddy. All the guys are nice teammates. I didn't know nobody here, but I feel like they are all my guys. Where is he from? He's from... Let me see. Must be here. Sweden. Yeah, I gotta say, I think Sweden, Finland, something like that. I'm not quite sure, but uh, he's he was taken in the first round of the whatever CHL draft. He's going to be playing with the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, 18 years old, and uh, asked about what he likes to do off the ice. And this is what he had to say about that. I have a girl, and I walk with my girl from the city. Also, my favorite thing is to play PS4. I like general <laughs> manager, career mode, play some FIFA or NHL. I like that. Some trades, some buying, some selling. I like that. He's all of us, really. He is all of us. He seems like the kind of guy you want to go with. I know he's only 18 and you can't drink he a beer. He seems like but the guy you want, you want to go out and you want to drink a beer with this guy. He's he seems like a cool guy. The Swedish everyman. He is the Swedish everyman. So it's good to see he, he has a, a very few followers. On, he's got probably almost the same amount of followers as I do, really, on Twitter. Um, but he, he talked about his draft experience and his Twitter. I had a Twitter account before the draft, but I didn't have tweets. I'm waiting for the draft, then I see my name, boom. I'm very happy. I'm very proud. A couple days after the CHL import draft, then boom again. I like it. Twitter is nice. I have fun. I have broken English, but sometimes I get my broken English purposely, just for fun. (laughs) You know, the players who come over from Sweden are usually really good with English. Not always 
Finland. But I'm always uh, impressed because I know Rasmus first line and it took him quite some time. But I interviewed Rasmus Asplund right after he was drafted. And, I mean, he was almost just as good at English as anybody else that yeah. was drafted. I'm always impressed by these guys. I don't know what it's like in Sweden. I don't. There was a um, exchange student from Germany that we had when I was in high school who was like 50% on both language. She was really decent at English where you would think it was only like the little bit of an accent that would throw you off and know that she didn't speak English. But she said she didn't know German that well because her family just spoke a lot of English. So uh, it might be a little different than we think it is. Maybe I'm giving too much credit to the Swedes. But having interviewed a lot of these players, it's always impressive to me how good they are, not only just with English, but expressing themselves too. And it's it's been a conversation that's gone on in baseball for a long time. David Ortiz said about Dominican players, like, if you want to make it, learn English because it will really help you along the way. And it's clear that these hockey players are getting that lesson pretty early on. Yeah, 18 years old. He talks about his broken English, but it sounds pretty good to me. That's pretty good, honestly. All right, so... Better about- than parts of last segment for you. Oh! Oh, yeah. My broken English. Mm-hmm. That's the only language I know. But um, we're going to a break here. Development scrimmage, the blue and white scrimmage, blue and gold scrimmage, excuse me, starting in a couple minutes here. You can check out the live stream on Sabres.com if you're not heading down to Harbor Center. Vasiliev Glotov, he's going to be playing on a line with Justin Bailey and Eric Cornell. So a couple nice prospects for Glotov to be playing with. We're going to hit a break here. When we come back, we'll talk more about the Sabres development camp. And just what do you think about the roster? Jimmy VC, if he comes, are you okay with that? Are you set with the roster? Or is there still more that needs to be done? This is Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 